G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. I really asked God, I said, look, you know, I, I really like him, but it's kind of not what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and I got a message from God and he said, it wasn't a voice, but I just had this inner knowing, he's the one. He's the one. And so I just said, okay, your choice, God, he's the one. The Story. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today is part three of our series paying tribute to the founder of the Shed Happens Men's Ministry, Ian Watson, better known as simply Watto. Today we'll hear from his wife, Margaret, who was married to Ian for over 50 years and they had quite a journey together. Sadly, Ian died in 2019 after a long battle with prostate cancer. Margaret will share their story as a couple with us and she'll reflect on the amazing impact Watto had on men all over Australia. She's chatting with Eric Scatterbo. Margaret Watson, welcome to the program. Thank you, Eric. Glad to have you with us and you're joining us from the northern side of Brisbane, is that right? That's right, from Redcliffe. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so sad to hear about the death of your husband. He had an impact on so many men, including myself. Uh, He spoke at my church and at some men's camps that he was the featured speaker. So, yeah, he had an amazing impact. And I am so grateful for the way he shared so deeply and sincerely about some of the challenges that we as men go through. But let's talk today about your story, your story as a couple. You were married over 50 years. Is that right? Yeah, we were married 53 years. We got married on Christmas Eve mm-hmm. in 1966, um, when Ian was in the National Service. Okay, going way back. But we want to go back even further and find out, how did the two of you meet? Uh, well, we met at a church social. It was a Hawaiian evening, and it was just at the local church hall with mm-hmm. high school kids, and he was dancing. I often tell this story. He was dancing with three girls, <laughs> which is typical, um, and then he just happened to look over and see me sitting there and he just left the other three and came and said, would you like a dance? And so I thought, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that was it. That was when we met. And then he wanted to uh, walk me home because we, we live close by in the next street to each other. Mm-hmm. But one of my friend's mum said, no, I told your mother I'd be looking after you and she was going to drive me home. So she drove both of us home. So that was the first night. And then um, we met a bit, a few months later when Ian started work and we both went into Brisbane by mm-hmm. train yeah. to work. And so we met at the, kind of at the railway station. And how did you feel about him? I, mean, I think he said that it was like love at first sight. But how did you feel? Well, actually, I couldn't believe how much he talked to start with. <laughs> and that sounds like Ian. <laughs> He just told me so much about himself and, I mean, I was, you know, listened and I thought, wow, I was very impressed with yeah, that. But, yeah. but his personality was just so bubbly oh, yeah, and so yeah. full of life mm-hmm. and that was just um, 
overpowering at times. But you didn't uh, want to date him at first, is that well, right? Well, look, I, I was only just 15 and I had things that I wanted to do and I was wanting to be a nurse and, yeah, I said, look, I don't really want a boyfriend yet, but he persisted. <laughs> <laughs> he won you over. He did, yeah. And where were you at spiritually at that time? Well, I was a very, very good um, Christian girl, mm-hmm. very devoted. I was um, a Sunday school teacher, and then uh, a couple of years later, I became the church musician. Mm-hmm. So I'd always, yeah, I'd been a regular churchgoer for years. I had a Christian mum mm-hmm. and Christian grandparents, but not my dad. He acknowledged that God was there, mm-hmm. but he didn't join mum because he was a different of a different religion, mm. and in those days, you didn't go to a different church. You oh, know what I see. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Mum took the lead, spiritually. And did you have a certain standard as far as who you wanted to marry, as far as their faith? Well, I actually wanted somebody with blonde hair. That was the first <laughs> thing. I'm talking about faith here. <laughs> <laughs> and I did want someone who would come to church with me. Yeah. I didn't want to be like Mum. Yeah, where, where so your mother I, had to go by herself. Yeah, that's right. You know, and that that bothered me. Mm-hmm. So I thought, yeah, I'd, I want I don't want to go on my own. I want yeah. a husband to come with me. Did Ian go to church at that time? Well, actually, I I really asked God about that. I said, um, look, you know, I I really like him, but he's kind of not what I wanted. <laughs> 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 and then, and I got a message from God, and he said. It wasn't a voice, but I just had this inner knowing. Mm-hmm. He's the one. Oh. He's the one. Wow. And so I just said, okay, your choice, God, he's the one. So we did go together to the Billy Graham crusade mm-hmm. when Billy Graham was here in Brisbane mm-hmm. at the Brisbane Exhibition Grounds, and we both went forward and with all the crowds of people mm-hmm. and gave our lives to Christ. So probably the Billy Graham crusade. Hmm. experience was probably, um, that's what lit our together faith, I'd Mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. Now let's fast forward several years when you had a deep encounter with the Holy Spirit. How did that impact your relationship? Yes. Well, my first big change was um, when I really understood what Jesus' crucifixion Mm -hmm. meant for me personally. Yeah. And then from there, I just wanted to know more and wanted to grow more. And then I, subsequent to that, I had an experience with the Holy Spirit and the power, the power of the Holy Spirit and, and how real it came to realize that the Spirit lives within me, mm-hmm. like a fire come up and it come out of me like a living water. Yeah. And when I understood that and when I prayed for that, I just changed and I felt a lot more confident. Yeah. Um, I have a much closer relationship with God and... Without even knowing what was happening, Ian saw something in me that changed. He just saw something. My heart had changed. Where before I was a really good, you know, a good Christian girl. Yeah. But he said, I changed into something, someone whose faith was alive. And there was so much more love Mm -hmm. coming out of me. And it, it was only the Holy Spirit in me. I didn't do anything different was all the Holy Spirit in me, and that touched Ian. Yeah. So before that, correct me if I'm wrong, but initially your being on fire for the Lord kind of drove a wedge between the two of you. Is that right? Well, that was because I used to go off to women's camps, women's 
conventions mm-hmm. and women's conferences, I'd come home and I'd be just like on the mountaintop. Yeah. And I was too over the top. Got a bit carried away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As does happen when you go to conferences, you know. You, oh, yeah, yeah. You just come home so filled up. Yeah, yeah. And I think I might have just been scaredy in a bit. Mm. It was a bit too much, yeah. And where was he at in his faith at that point? Um, well, he was having a lot of struggles. Um, he was involved in a few things that were taking him away from God. Mm. He was very involved in sport, mm-hmm. involved in horse racing, and he was in this real man's world, which was didn't encourage him in any way in his faith. Yeah. So we were going in different directions. That was the problem. That was clash. And I guess one could say that you wooed him twice, in that initially when you were 15 years old, he wanted to be your boyfriend, and then also years later, you kind of wooed him to the Lord, in a sense, well, with the Holy Spirit's help. Yes, well, he got to a point of um, being very, very unhappy, because we weren't together in our relationship, we Mm -hmm. were too far apart, Yeah, and he was so frustrated, he just called out to God, and he told God he was jealous that I loved God more than oh, wow. I loved Ian. So yeah. he got really jealous and told God that and said, what are you going to do about it kind of thing? <laughs> got really honest with God and said he didn't know what to do. Hmm. And so things changed for Ian then. We had um, a new pastor in our congregation who Ian could relate to. Mm-hmm. And he actually mentored him. Oh, okay. It was a little bit like Ian was a bit of a, a wild horse in the paddock, just... Hmm you know, racing around not knowing where he was going. Yeah. And we had this pastor who who just loved him so much. He loved him into the kingdom more and more mm-hmm. and mentored him, which is what he needed. He yeah. needed men. Yeah. He needed men around him, and this is what happened, that mm-hmm. this man made a big difference. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you were on fire for the Lord, and he caught on fire from your fire, in a sense, and then also this pastor helped yeah. uh, kindle that fire as well. Yep, yep. Uh, but also the other thing too, um, there was a time when he said, look, I think, you know, we're not praying together. We That bothered me. I wanted us to pray together. But there was still something between us. We weren't close enough. Hmm. And so um, a friend of mine prayed for us and she said, is there anything that you're, any grudges or any unforgiveness that you're holding against each other? And so we went before God and said, look, if it, whatever it is, we forgive each other. We want to be cleansed of all that, mm-hmm. and we want to start afresh. And that that did it. That just had to be broken and forgive each other mm-hmm. and get on with life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're listening to The Story. Today we're continuing our series paying tribute to the late Ian Watson, founder of The Shed Happens Men's Ministry. As we're hearing, his wife Margaret is sharing with us their story as a couple, along with insights into Watto's life journey. We'll have more when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. 
Today, our guest is Margaret Watson, the wife of the late Ian Watson for over 50 years. Ian was the founder of the Shed Happens Men's Ministry, and he's impacted men's lives throughout the country. Margaret's sharing their story as a couple, along with insights into Watto's faith journey. Now, you mentioned that Ian was a bit troubled at that point in his life, and one of the things that was a barrier between him and God was some uh, very traumatic experiences he had as a child. Is that right? With uh, a member of the church? Yeah, there were a couple of barriers. There was a Mm -hmm. barrier with um, the church organist in -hmm. in the church where his sisters and aunties went, Mm -hmm. and Ian couldn't get past that. He couldn't get past that. So th- this church organist sexually abused him? He did. Mm. The church organist abused him, and in this congregation, there was an altar call at the end of each service, mm-hmm. and so Ian would have to walk to the altar but walk past mm. this organist, yeah. and that was the barrier. Yeah. Mm. And there was another barrier, too, um, with him coming to my church because the church I've grown up in and still in is mm-hmm. a Lutheran church. Mm-hmm. And so Ian used to feel a little bit like, um, not that he wasn't welcome, but it was a little bit closed at the time. Mm. It changed, changed down the track. Mm. It's very open and welcoming. And we thought we were welcoming, but from his perspective, it just felt like, oh, no, I'm Mm. not one of that group. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he kind of felt like an outsider. Yes. So getting back to the abuse issue... Not only was it a barrier for him to come forward in the church service, but uh, as I understand it, it hurt his being able to pray to the Father. Is that right? This was kind of a, a struggle for him? Yeah, he had a, a few issues with his dad. Oh, okay. That's why it took him a long time to call God Father, because he needed to just deal with some issues with his dad. Hmm. Just once again, a bit more unforgiveness. Mm. So he could do that, yeah, when he forgave his dad. So Ian had a number of reasons why he could have just stayed bitter after what happened to him. Yes. But turning now to the men's ministry, all of those wounds and the pain from his childhood, he used those as illustrations to share with men about what he had gone through, and it really connected. Yes. When I was 50... Mm-hmm. I went to the Christian Heritage College to do a counselling course. Mm-hmm. And I'd come home and share it all with Ian. And he used to make quite a joke about it and tell people that I was doing the course for him. <laughs> oh, so you could be his counsellor? Not really that I could be his counsellor, but that he could learn. Oh, okay. So together we could deal with things that we needed to deal with. And so he came to understand the importance of being healed of past hurts. Hmm. And as soon as he'd learned something, he would put it into practice. He was a wonderful student because I, I could read a whole book and not sometimes say, oh, I'm not sure I got much out of that. And he would read about a couple of pages and say, yes, I'm going to do that. A man of action. You know, I was always wondering, now here's this truck driver and trains other truck drivers. How is he getting all these insights into counseling? Now you, you've just solved that mystery for me. Yeah, that's <laughs> you, right. You helped him. So together, that's why you were such a good team together. Yeah, so I, I went to the college for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and so he learned from what I was learning. Mm-hmm. But then he would translate it into Watto speak. That's right. <laughs> and also, getting back to your relationship, 
he met a need for you and you met a need for him. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, because I'm fairly, I'm a private person, a bit of an introvert and don't really enjoy doing things like this. Like Thank you for you. joining us today. <laughs> um, I'm coping okay. That's good, that's but good. But Ian was the total opposite, so yeah. he was good. He would draw me out and mm-hmm. make me do things, encourage me. Actually, I was thinking, oh, I wish he was here. He would have encouraged me for this interview tonight. Oh, oh. Yeah. But, well, but he's here in spirit. That was the value that he had. Yeah. For me, mm-hmm. but because he was quite highly emotional mm-hmm. and needed a steadier, that was my role. So we we balanced each other. You know, we met yeah. met in the middle. We were good for each other. Yeah, and and he gave you effusive praise, words of affirmation. He, that would be your love language, yes. I'd assume. Yes, I'd say it was a little bit like I would give him the bullets, and he'd put them in the gun and shoot them. <laughs> I don't know about that illustration. <laughs> it's, supposed, it's supposed to be something beautiful about flowers or something. <laughs> no, I he, give him the ammunition and he uses. <laughs> no, I, 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 now let, let me turn this around. I think he referred to you as a rose that just got more and more beautiful. How's that one? Yeah, <laughs> you'll take it. <laughs> now, all of a sudden. He decided to start a men's ministry. What did you think about that? Well, he was always great with men. Mm-hmm. Being a football coach, he was really good with um, uh, helping young guys in trouble and has always been a great encourager mm-hmm. and inspired people. And he didn't just start the ministry that first night. He'd been working towards it. Mm-hmm. Before that, he'd been having what they call burger bashes mm-hmm. at the church. Yeah. And the first burger bash he ran, he said, we're going to have it just out in the church grounds. Yeah. Um, he said, we need to get a speaker for our first night. It needs to be somebody that the men who don't come to church know or have heard about. And so he got a well-known footballer at the time mm-hmm. and got him along and, and Ian interviewed him. He advertised it fairly well, and on that night he saw men across the road from the church who were too scared to come to the church. Yeah. And he said, they're the men I want. That's Mm -hmm. where God wants me to go. Mm. And so that was his goal, just to reach men who, like Ian had, had barriers Mm. and wounds. Mm. He said, that's my target. They're the ones God wants me to go to. So that's, that's how it all started. And he was courageous enough to share his wounds, very personal wounds, which yes, helped other very, people open up. Very, um, very open, not afraid yeah. to be honest. And then also you shared with me that the beginning of Shed Happens coincided with his journey with cancer. Can you tell us about yes, that? Yes, that, that's right, yes. Um, well, the men in our congregation were meeting to do 40 Days of Purpose, and when they got to the end of it, this group of men said, look, why don't we keep meeting because we've enjoyed this so much. And so from there, a larger group formed. It just grew and grew until Ian got the idea, look, why don't we, let's meet at the truck yard mm-hmm. where it's away from the church and where blokes feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. We'll have trucks all over the place and a great atmosphere. <laughs> and we'll do an interview. We'll interview some of our men to share their faith, not 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 really um, any Bible teaching or anything like that, but to share their life, mm-hmm. 
but there was also meant to be some content about their relationship with God, mm-hmm. but no preaching. Mm-hmm. So that's how it started off, and then they thought three speakers would probably be enough, mm-hmm. three short interviews, and it just grew from there. And that's, that's how it actually started. It was going to be at another guy's place the first night, but on that very day, um, Ian was, had been to the doctor and he was told that he had prostate cancer. So on the very first night of Shed Happens, he said, I can't come. I, mm. I just can't handle it. I'm too upset. So the men started it without him. And they did call it Shed Nights at that stage. Mm-hmm. But later on, they changed to Shed Happens, meaning shed all your hang-ups, shed oh, all right. your problems. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, he used to mm-hmm. say, it's like a, a snake shedding its skin. Yeah. yeah. So it was all about men, you know, letting it go, letting it out, learning how to talk, learning how to be honest. Confess your sins one to another. Yes, men to another, one man yeah. to another. Yeah, one man to another. One man to a group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's how it started? Yeah, that's how it started. And because it was at the truck yard, because Ian had um, lots of men coming, as you can imagine, yeah. and he would always be inviting them. Mm-hmm. So there was always a, a ready pool of men to invite, and, and lots of men in trouble mm-hmm. in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're quickly running out of time, but can you maybe share with us like your favorite story of a, a man that was impacted by Wadua's ministry? Well, everybody's favorite man is Daryl Pittman, who was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Ian went to Munia, which is a rehab for alcoholics and people with other addictions. Mm-hmm. And Ian went along with one of his friends who was there because his son was in, mm-hmm. and at the end of it, Ian got up and told everyone how wonderful they were and, and you know, made a bit of a speech, and they kind of looked at him and went, who's this man? <laughs> anyway, Daryl looked at Ian and said, oh, he invited them to the shed night, that's right. And so Daryl looked at him and thought, he's a car salesman or a bookie or something like that. And he said, and uh, he's probably inviting us to a, you know, the old beer and prawn night, the old football nights that they used to have. And mm. he thought it was one of those sort of nights. Mm. Anyway, Daryl thought he'd come and check it out. And he was just amazed at the sort of night it was. And so Daryl kept coming and he eventually brought along, as time went on, he would bring a busload of people from rehab to the shed nights. Wow. What Ian always said, that these men are not to get up and say, I'm an alcoholic. They just introduce themselves like, I'm Joe or I'm Bill mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. He said they need to come and hear from men to see that we all have problems, mm-hmm. but we, we have someone to go to with our problems. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was one of the, this is one of the best stories, I think, because Daryl now has gone on to be a sort of a counsellor wow. for people with alcoholism. Oh, that's fantastic. So that's yeah. just one of many stories of yeah. lives changed through uh, Ian's ministry. Yeah, that was probably the most dramatic one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, complete turnaround. And in our remaining moments, any final thoughts and reflections on the life of your, your late husband? 
Oh, wow. It's just so amazing what God can do when a person totally surrenders. Hmm. With Ian's gifting, because hmm. he did have a lot, a lot of natural gifts. Yep, yep. And he just gave them all to God. Just use me. And he was, he would never hold back. Mm-hmm. And even way up until a couple of days before he passed away, he was still sharing the gospel, still mm-hmm. encouraging and still yeah. empowering people. He just never stopped. Did it ever surprise you how many people he impacted? Um, no, not really. No, it didn't surprise me, but I was surprised at the, the number of people at his funeral. Well, my sons were saying, we can't have the funeral in your church. You can't have it. It's too small, and I just didn't even give that a thought. And then um, one of Ian's friends who he used to work with in the public service years ago has, um, has this big hotel mm-hmm. at Eaton's Hill, and he said, have the funeral here. And I just went, wow. He said, it'll be over a 1,000 people. Wow. And there were. And um, this friend of Ian's, he put up a shed on the stage for him, Mm-hmm. And that was with shed happens yep, at night. Yep. One of those, you know, that's very fitting. That build, yeah, yes. And the the men from the truck driving school they brought the semis over there to the hotel, and they were all lined up outside. Oh wow! And uh, and it was massive. Wow, yeah. fantastic! What a fitting yep. tribute to a, an amazing life that touched so many people, so many men in particular throughout Australia. Yes, and I continue to hear stories. You know, every couple of days mm-hmm. I hear people tell me what Ian's done in their lives. Yep. Margaret Watson, thank you so much for sharing your story and Ian's story with us today. You're very welcome, Eric, and thank you. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Margaret Watson, the wife of the late Ian Watson, founder of the men's ministry known as Shed Happens. It was great to hear insights into their relationship and how well they complemented each other's personalities. There definitely was a reason God put them together. I think Watto would have been the first to admit that he wouldn't have been able to have such a successful ministry without the loving support of Margaret. And Margaret has mentioned many times how much she appreciated Ian's effusive praise for her. He just would never stop talking about how much he loved Margaret and how much she meant to him. A beautiful couple, a match made in heaven. Watto was a perfect example of the Bible verse, encourage one another and build each other up. And that's just what he did to his wife and to men all over Australia. Well, next time we'll hear from Ian's son, Hayden, and what it was like having the larger-than-life Watto for a father. Hayden will also share some of his favourite memories of them together. All that and more is coming up next time. But before we go, if you'd like to find out more about Watto's men's ministry, the website is shedhappens.com.au. That's shedhappens.com. Well, until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I was just the usual 15-year-old kid going through stuff you do. And I remember one night there, I'd you know, done some dumb things or whatever I'd, I'd done. I was struggling. And he was about probably 9.30 at night. And he said, come on, mate, let's go for a walk. And we walked all through lawns and we just kept going and going and it got later and later. It was a midweek, but he said, mate, don't matter, we're just going to walk and talk until you can get it all off your chest. That never left me. Hayden Watson grew up having a father who was a larger-than-life character who always had an encouraging word for whoever he happened to be with. 
Hayden says he loved it and will share insights into what it was like having Ian Watto Watson for a father. Next time. The story. the story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.